0: Yeah. Rich, I've asked you sis- to succinctly describe our podcast for all the new listeners. And if you are new, welcome. And if you're old, well, thanks.
1: <laughs> so, uh, our, our, yeah. podcast. our podcast is a lyrical combination of rural life, all the aspects of rural life from natural history through natural gardening, through farming, through local food production, through lots of enigmatic, eccentric... Bonkersness
2: That Ricardo's been reading The Oxford Dictionary again Hasn't he
0: <laughs> Here's what one listener says Gillian Barrett says mm, This is about babies We don't do much on babies do we Hi Heather I just wanted to write and tell you How much I enjoy your podcasts My husband discovered them last June When I was two months pregnant and, and I knew instantly That I would love them Please don't take this the wrong way, (laughs) but while suffering from pregnancy-related insomnia, the sound of your friendly, familiar voices was the perfect way to send me back to the land of Nod at (laughs) 2am. The upshot was that each night I would have to find the place where I fell asleep the previous night, and it would take me around four nights to listen to each episode. My husband downloaded the whole back catalogue for me, And that got me through my whole pregnancy and the first few months of being up through the night breastfeeding. It was an absolute godsend to listen to your interesting and lively dialogue in the wee small hours through my headphones. Although the baby looked a little puzzled when I chuckled out loud at Farmer Phil and Ricardo's little tater-tates. Cara is now six months old. I thought she was going to say I've named the baby Ricardo, but luckily it's a girl. So, Cara is now six months old and I'm up to date on the podcast and avidly look forward to each new one. I'd like to thank you all for getting me through my pregnancy with some sanity intact. All good wishes to the whole team. And that's from Gillian in Bollington in Cheshire.
2: Oh, that, that gives me a terrible thought, really. You know how when, and this goes for animals as well, but when, when women are pregnant, you have to watch what you eat and drink and no smoking and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that podcast receiving during pregnancy might have scarred Cara for life? I mean, that's exposing Ricardo to her in the womb. That's a, that's a <laughs> nightmare. It's Phil. just awful. Will the baby uh, see.
0: be organic? See.
2: <laughs> or will oh. the baby trim her hedges?
0: <laughs> oh, good lord.
1: We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> Only time will tell, Phil. Only time It's will public tell. service
0: That's cool. broadcasting, not it? it?
1: That's very nice. What a lovely, lovely email.
0: Yeah, I wonder why she didn't just um, watch what? the cricket.
1: I, I, well, perhaps, perhaps we are
0: <laughs> genuinely <laughs> interested.
1: <laughs> or not.
0: You may be able to hear in the background this noise, doot, 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 and in fact our podcast recording has been delayed by doot, doot, do you have that where you are? Does it drive you mad? Phone this number now, (gasps) plus plus four four one nine eight one five hundred nine three zero, and leave us a message on our farm phone about reversing doot, 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 doot. What do you think of them, Phil?
2: Well, sadly, that vehicle got serviced last week, so I haven't got to it yet. But all my other reversing alarms, I have got to, and they have been unplugged as being ridiculous.
0: Sorry, Mr Health and Safety Executive. Obviously, he's done a full risk assessment. Rich, your view on... Doo, doo, well, doo, I just think my life's probably doo, a lot more interesting doo. than
1: yours, because I, <laughs> I've never really given it much thought. Don't they drive you mad?
0: they drive
1: you nuts? No, I've never really thought about it, apart from today, when you've said, now you've pointed it out to me, yeah. You can hear them <laughs> they everywhere. Do. They probably do. They're but for towns.
2: So I in a town,
0: a bus is coming backwards and it says, yeah. warning, I am reversing, warning, I am reversing. Maybe that will help. But in the farmyard, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's it's actually put it to me annoying. me it is annoying I see all those little all those little sounds those little electronic sounds are just completely frustrating. I it know you don't expe- you don't feel the same way as I do about laptops but even the whirring sound of a computer gets <laughs> on my tits.
0: Ricardo, Ricardo. <laughs> Please. That is because you are a PC user. Oh <laughs>
1: uh, yes. In
0: in apples they're silent. Oh really? They just sit there. Oh. But well you have to have a big motor to even Start your trundling machine up. But Mac users are there silently waiting for you to join us.
2: Right, I think think the point is, Rich, that our PCs require a cooling fan because we work them so hard, because we're so industrious as PC users. But anyway, it was put to me about reversing alarms and other completely fatuous health and safety alarms they're one of the worst forms of noise pollution because they're very penetrative noise, and that you have a farmyard or whatever, and for possibly as far as a mile away, you can hear that noise. And in the countryside, that's wrong in my uh, It's unnecessary noise
1: and pollution. And it takes the
2: responsibility yeah, away from the driver. It's the driver who should make sure he doesn't back over anything or anybody. And the alarm takes that responsibility away and it's wrong.
0: And the thing is, it's affecting the quality of life of our pork. And so they have actually taken shelter. I've just looked out of the window and porkers are in pigloo. So we're going to hear from James King from pighuts.co.uk all about our pig arc. Here we are i'm sat in alan and anne beckett's front room drawing room D- lounge drawing. <laughs> what do you think drawing room. <laughs> with james who has supplied our pigs pig hut but james tell me a little bit about your pig farming in the past
3: um well i was a pig farmer from uh, 1991 till 2000 yeah uh and i Ended up losing a lot of money by the end of it, so I packed up pig farming.
0: Well, why did you? Lo- what was the problem with because pigs? Because the
3: pig price went down spectacularly. You know, the price I was getting for my little seven kilo pigs at one point, I was getting nearly forty pounds a pig, and then it went down to ten pounds a pig. and but- My costs were about seventeen pounds a pig.
0: How you, how was that? Because as far as I know, I'm still paying the same price for bacon as I ever have.
3: Because there was a lot of pigs about, and the people that wanted to fatten them didn't want to pay much for them. And If they don't want to pay it, you don't get it.
0: How pigged off were you?
3: I was extremely <laughs> pigged off because I was outside do, out doing outdoor pigs as well, and it was in one of the wettest winters we'd ever had. Yeah. So it was a highly unpleasant, wet, miserable, muddy job, and you were losing a lot of money as well. So it wasn't overly nice. But so had yes. you
0: had many ups in pigs, as it were? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I do not know what you mean, but yes, yeah, at times we had done very well out of pigs, yeah. yes. So we were able to expand from 50,000 to four hundred without that much borrowed money. Yeah, so it was quite good for a while, so we did all right out of it.
0: And when did you do your scholarship?
3: 1999.
0: And you gave up pigs in the year 2000?
3: Yes. And I did my scholarship on pigs so I learned a lot and came back re-energized to do pigs and then packed them up and started cleaning weedy bins instead.
0: Wow <laughs> so you, what, what do you do?
3: Clean weenie bins who for? For anyone that wants them doing in my I have a franchise and anyone in my area that wants their are being cleaned I will relatively happily go and clean it for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> as long as they don't put anything really bad in them Well,
3: it. if I could train them not to actually get them dirty and then i go and clean them, that would be really good. Yeah. But um, sadly, that hasn't yet happened, no.
0: OK, so how the heck am I buying a pig ark from you?
3: Because when I was packing up doing my pigs, I found a good way of selling the huts. Obviously, a lot of other pig farmers were losing a lot of money as well at the time. So they weren't overly keen on buying new or second-hand pig huts. So I was just selling them to smallholders and hobby farmers and anyone that wanted them, we sold them to people that put greyhounds in them, ducks in them, all sorts of things. Uh, We found that was a good little market for them. So after that, we then bought in other ones and sold them on.
0: So do you renovate them?
3: We do, yes. Fortunately, the ones that you all had, that was bought pre-renovated it was already renovated so he didn't need to worry about that so right
0: uh, so he just bought it in and sold it off yes
3: for a very small very small very margin. small margin <laughs> <laughs> just so, to cost the transport really of course
0: yeah. so are a lot of small farmers getting into pigs is that, you yeah, know we are we sell- are we trendy at wiggler oh, you're
3: fantastically trendy yes there's a lot of people that look we sell a lot to people that do farmers markets and sell direct and all sorts of things there's quite a few people that have huts like that yeah
0: and have you got any pigs left
3: I have, I have I've had counselling and everything and yeah. got over it all and now I've got two sows and also fattened a few up for a chap who does do farmers markets who's been quite poorly and he can't actually do the pig bit himself but he can just about manage to sell them so yeah, yeah we do a few for him
0: now, the thing is, we're worried about our pigs because already, you know, they've got a little curly tail and they've got a squashed nose and they're really sweet and we thought we wouldn't name them and how will we come round to actually the day that we have to, uh, you know, kill them? What, what's your feeling on it? Is it, I, is it bad? I have,
3: I have very few feelings on it, so it's difficult. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not a person to ask. The
0: heartless pig <laughs> farmer. Well, I just, how do you look at it?
3: I look at the pig on one hand, and then I look at the potential check on the other hand. Yeah. And that hand always wins, so the pig ended up going in the trailer and going off to the slaughterhouse. So
0: no pork, no pig? Quite. And do you eat your own pork?
3: Yes, and bacon and sausages.
0: And do you name the pigs?
3: No, my children occasionally do.
0: But they still eat the pigs?
3: Yes, I don't think they quite worked it out yet but, um, but
0: <laughs> right but yes I suppose they are age one and two are they <laughs> two and four oh,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for that advice so where can people get your pig hut if they want to well, do it can, themselves
3: they can go on to www.pighut.co.uk
0: and the most fantastic thing for me is that you're not just making them from scratch they're actually being completely reused
3: they're environmentally friendly pig huts yeah we recycle <laughs> them
0: <laughs> okay for that interview I think the other Nuffield scholars are in the room, so I think it's a round of applause from all the Nuffields, please. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Last week we heard a little bit from Ginny, and she's in Canada, and she has written me an essay, so I can't read it out, but I must say it was great to hear from you. She emigrated to Canada in '97 and went back and forth from there to Germany. And she says, I've been listening to your podcast for the past six months and I've immersed myself in the mixed ones so that I can catch up to the present day. Needless to say, the variety of interesting themes covered in the show has prompted me to write on several occasions, but I never never quite got round to it. The cat fiasco was a little drawn out, but the hedgerow row was wonderfully debated. The couple of cookery and tasting episodes were great and the outdoor bits with the cows and sheep are a real treat. And then she has gone on to talk about you, Richard. Uh She says, um, what what you're doing with Wiggly Wigglers is great and has inspired me to do more as a woman in the rural environment. And she says, you love to have a dig at Richard at any opportunity (laughs) I know.
1: Yeah, don't I know it.
0: But he really is a treasure.
2: (laughs) Oh, Excuse Uh, me while I'm (laughs) sick behind the sofa.
0: She says, a fount of knowledge with the ability to make any subject that he's raving on about sound interesting. Oh. Do you think oh, she's, oh, you Do
2: you think she's actually you, seen dear. a picture of you, Rich, or do you think that there's a slight
1: sort of? I have no idea, Phil. I couldn't.
2: Oh, there, couldn't there's a bit it.
0: about you too, Phil. Oh, right. Really? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not quite as gushing. Oh dear. Phil always <laughs> seems to present the contradictory viewpoint. <laughs> so thank you, Jilly, oh, well. um, who is 41 and one So happy birthday last month. Thank you indeed to you. Wiggly Wigglers has now set up a page on Facebook. So if you'd like to join in the debate on Facebook at the moment, go to www.facebook.com and search for Wiggly Wigglers. And one of our recent discussion topics has been, do we name our pigs? Should we name our pigs? So if you've got any view on that, please join in on Facebook. And if there's anything else you want to say, I find it to be one of the most easiest places to actually hear people's opinions. So go to Facebook and check it out. And in the meantime, there's a bit of uh, controversy in the Wiggly domain in terms of whether we should eat the pigs, whether we should name the pigs, where the pigs should be, and the Wiggly team are of opposing views. I think we should have a pig roast, Rich.
1: Yeah, I do think we should roast the the suckers up, definitely.
0: (laughs) Don't you mean sucklings?
1: Sucklings, yeah. Well, we did. I've done. I tell you, I've done a couple of pig roasts, and they're great. But you use so much wood. You can quite literally use about three months firewood in in you know one sitting because you've, you've got to be you've got to roast if you're doing a whole pig. It's like an eight-hour thing, you know, and constant turning and stuff like that.
0: Good job that crackling
1: um, is superb, you know. Good job gorgeous.
0: that Graham's just arrived to uh, fill the woodshed up. Then, Phil. <laughs> it is,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> what trees he chopping what a up? Way.
2: That was part of the, the big oak tree that's been down for two or three years now that we've started cutting it up.
0: You mean the one that fell on the water truck?
2: That's right, yeah.
0: That's not two or three years ago, is it, Rich? We remember no. that day. In fact, that was very near the start. That was, was in fact, podcast number one. It was. So it was September 2005-ish was how long that... Oh, you are right, then. Oh, he is right. A year ago, no? No, two 2005. We're in 2007, really?
1: aren't we? Didn't we, start, didn't we start these podcasts in the autumn, though?
0: Yeah, September. September. I
1: remember looking outside; it was a kind of really nice. Mm.
2: The tree, the tree had like already fallen so down for a length of time before we did the podcast about it. Uh, so
0: oh that yes, it. that's right. Okay, so we're going to hear what other Wigglies think about naming the pigs. Here they are in office, outside in their tea room, eating cake because it's Happy Birthday to Jody and to Sam. Yeah, you're Rach, do you think we should name the piggies? Yes, I do. I think you should name the piggies Pinky and Perky. Thank you. Karen, do you think we should name the piggies? Yes, I do. What do you think they should be called? Wiggly 1, Wiggly 2. Thank you. Sam, do you think we should name the piggies? I do, if you will be able to carry out your task at the end. I have my doubts if you've named them. Any suggestions on names? If you're going to go for it, I think it's Pinky and Perky would be great. Thank you. Jo, do you think we should name the pigs? Yes. What? Don't know. (laughs) Brilliant. Karen, should we name the Wiggly Piggies? Depends if you're going to eat them. Are you? Yes. No. Thank you. Just going in the tea room. Hi, team. Here is your question of the day. Do you think we should name the piggies? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Any ideas? Well, Silv. We've already said we wanted the Wiggly too, didn't we? Well, oh, the Blake music. All the two. Oh, like the Tan- Tamworth oh, yes, too. Yeah. Crackling and applesauce. Oh.
3: Yeah.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sam said you said mint sauce. My spouse. Oh, that's, no, that's the lamb. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. But what about if we d- if we do name them? How are we going to eat them? We're not. We're not. You we are. No, oh. <laughs> we're not. do <laughs> you don't think I'm going to share the weekly piggies? No, no. I don't want you. any weekly piggies. No, I want a bit of bacon. <laughs> yeah. You would. The thing is, Rick. <laughs> oh, no pork. No sauce. pig. <laughs> Rich, should we name the piggies?
1: No. Well, I, I don't think you should name them if you're going to kill them. But so, I said that. You you may as well. <laughs> Any yes. ideas? No. No, they are nice, aren't they? Look at that. I like that Tamworth Brown. That's a that's a lovely.
0: I like the black one because his ears are over his eyes. It's Tamworth and a large black. Yeah, because he's not large at the moment.
1: Do they, oh they They're not that freaked out are they at all you know they
0: when we first had them they were much more nervous Oh, they're just meeting meeting toast
1: they're not bothered at all are they by much
0: Michael should we name the piggies
1: a deeply philosophical (laughs) conundrum there Heather that's one fortunately that I don't have to worry about
0: Mary, should we name the piggies? Well, if you name them, will you become too attached to them to eat them? That's what you have to think Possibly. of. Possibly. Have you got a crystal ball so that you can look into the future and see what you feel on the day they're ready to go to the slaughterhouse? I think it'll be bad anyway, even if they're called. But maybe if we call them someone I'm not very fond of. Like, perhaps you should call them Margaret and Beckett. <laughs> or Patricia and (laughs) Huey we'll see but they look like like ginger and chocolate don't they yes well I I looked across the field from the house and I saw two brown creatures and I thought (laughs) even her pigs are chocolate coloured oh they're just having a drink now they're very sweet aren't they they are very sweet And there looks to be a reasonably good amount of eating on (laughs) them for the future. Yeah. No pork, no pig. No pork, no pig. That's it.
1: This morning I came into work and uh, I I, I drove over the river because we've had so much rain. We've had so much rain. The Y is as high as it is. Ever when well, we've had torrential rain in the winter time, I've never seen it like this in the summer. And people that I've asked, you know, my 85-year-old godfather, have you ever seen it, weather like this, Uncle Jim? And he says, no, no, never, boy, never. And uh, I, well, as I came over the bridge, just home, Nacy Bridge, this morning, I looked down. There was a kingfisher hovering over the river, quite literally hovering, obviously just waiting to pick off some fry. But the fact that the river floods at this time of year really is quite devastating for species like kingfishers that nest in the holes in the banks. So I think there's probably a lot of sand martin colonies that have been washed away this year. It's causing massive problems, and I wanted. I mean, uh, you and I have just we were just mentioning talking about the rain and crops. I know there are lots of farmers down in the uh, Seven Valley, for instance, that have lost thousands of acres of barley because the roots have been starved of oxygen. But yeah, I think you've, you're suffering a bit as well, aren't you? All you're thinking about? We we've been very lucky
2: be. so far. We've got. An awful lot of work to do when it dries up because we haven't cut any silage or hay because it wasn't ready before it rained and we haven't had a chance since. Mm. In terms of our crops, they are pretty much all right, but we could really do with it drying up now. Yeah, I've got some friends who farm in the Seven Valley so, Thursday last week, he reckoned that in the 24 hour spell that the Seven broke its banks, it was costing him six and a half thousand pounds for every hour for 24 hours. Good lord. And on the Friday, his wholesaler went bust. Right. So, that cost him another 60 odd thousand pounds because that wasn't going to get paid. No, and no. so, that really wasn't a very good week. No. Um, and of course, the effect of flooding a plant like a potato is it kills it, duff. And I saw a field of potatoes yesterday which looked as if you'd sprayed them off with acid. They were absolutely dead. Good Lord. So that, that'll that be a write-off. Fields of, of cereals, all muddy. Yeah. Um, this particular friend grows a lot of sweet corn, so it's got all silt in the sweet corn, so even if it hasn't killed it,
1: yeah,
2: it'll be, be unmarketable it? because nobody's going to want to eat a cob of sweet corn <laughs> with all soil <laughs> no, in it. I know. And not. so it's a, it's a complete disaster. And then, of course further north, up sort of around the Sheffield area, you've got homes and land that have been contaminated with sewage and all sorts, and they're still underwater now a week
1: yeah, or more on. Yeah. The of it is I consider more, myself
2: uh, quite lucky, but we're not out of the woods by any means.
1: Uh, as I look out the window, I've drifts of rain coming over the top of the woodland, and uh, it's, it's just, you know, had enough now. Something
2: that I thought was interesting was a month ago now, <clears throat> we'd seen aphids on our peas, and aphids in general around the place
1: yeah.
2: about as early as I've ever seen them
1: yeah.
2: and the peas were due a spray for fungicide and pea moths, you know the little, the little larvae that eat yes. holes in your peas yeah, right. and so we were struggling to get that on and we thought we'll put a little bit of afox in to kill the aphids and afox is a very specific chemical which just kills aphids no trouble at all and then since this rain the aphids have disappeared from everywhere not just the peas nothing to do with the chemical the cold and the rain washes them off breaks up their breeding cycle and stops them breeding yeah. and it occurred to me that if it does that to aphids all the other insects that are the food source for all the things that we know are probably suffering in the same way so that you mentioned you hadn't seen much in the way of bee activity cold no. wet no good at all it's, it's
1: incredibly bad I, you know I'm just really worried it's interesting I had a choice of my runner bean seed this year I got, I got my runner bean seed from uh, Pippa who's going to start supplying us with um, with organic seed and uh, she said, oh, I said, oh, she said, Would you like these normal, great big, long variety?" I said, "No, no, I, I prefer the traditional ones." Said, "Oh, as long as you, you know these are insect pollinators." I Said, "Oh, yeah, no problem. You know, there's tons and tons of insects in the garden." I tell you what, I wish I'd got the ones that were <laughs> insect pollinators because I looked at the little red flowers the other day, and there's hardly any beans developing where the flowers have dropped off. There seems to be very little bee activity. You know, they're just not around. They're not able to get out in amongst it because it's too cold and it's too wet.
2: And I think that you know, you mentioned you hadn't seen very much house martin activity You know, I think that they rely on this time of year, they're very active building nests and they also catch insects on the wing and so that if those insects aren't flying because it's cold and wet and horrible, yeah, everything's the, the food source dries up and the en- energy levels go down so that one yeah. would assume there are smaller broods and I can see implications for a lot of
1: birds, yeah, particularly. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's a worry. It's a worry for sure. But one thing I did want to mention today before we go is that we've just... Uh, we've wigglies, certainly, have had a bit of input into uh, a, a gardening manifesto that Natural England have done. It's called A Manifesto for Gardens, People and Nature, prepared by organisations belonging to the Forum for Gardening with Wildlife in Mind. Uh, and that's interesting because I think that lots of listeners will be able to get hold of copies of these manifestos from various outlets, certainly Wildlife Trust and whatnot. Really, it's been designed, it's the, the manifesto brings together for the first time a large consortium of the UK's leading wildlife and horticultural organisations from both the private and the public sectors. It highlights the importance of gardens both for wildlife and for people's health and well-being. It is aimed at those who make and influence decisions It outlines some of the actions we need to take to protect gardens and to help more people enjoy gardening with wildlife in mind. Just a couple of interesting statistics here that I I would read out. Gardens are under threat, it says here. In London, a vast area, 32 square kilometres, 22 times the size of Hyde Park, has been lost through gardens being paved over. Elsewhere, the situation is even worse, with nearly half of all homes in the northeast of England having paved over most of their front gardens. New houses are built on former domestic gardens. More people now have paved patios in their gardens than those who have trees. So interesting statistics there. But what, what I think those statistics highlight is the fact, going, you know, we're talking about these adverse weather conditions, is that nature, wildlife generally, can survive adverse conditions. But the more human activity compromises the extent of habitat, then nature suffers as a consequence, even more so. So, you know, it's just worth thinking about there. I think the listener, by and large, will probably be a keen advocate for wildlife and a keen advocate for creating environment in their own domestic setting to accommodate wildlife. But, you know, by and large, it's such a shame that people seem to think they have to patio their back gardens, to make things easier for themselves.
2: I couldn't agree more, and I think it's quite interesting. I mean, as, as you and I both know, Heather's been um, sort of trying to get us up to speed on some of the new networking tools and so on, such as Facebook, and, you know, we're struggling yes. along yeah. in our way. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that, that that point is quite a, quite a good point, because th- those people, are listeners, who do understand that the benefits of natural gardening and of habitat in general the effectiveness of these little pockets of habitat relies on the links between them and the regularity of them yeah. and so word of mouth you know tell your friends about our podcast and about the benefits of wildlife gardening it, it encourage people most people i imagine pave over their gardens so they don't have to mow the lawn well i've certainly discovered through some of the things that you and Wigglies have sort of shown me that low-maintenance gardening doesn't necessarily mean larch lap fencing and paving slabs.
1: Are you you conceding that I may have shown shown you something, Phil?
2: I, I am conceding that I was the world's biggest cynic of the wildflower meadow and I'm very happy to eat entire humble pie because I was the one who was going to get the job of taking the docks and nettles out of it and I haven't had to. And so that that proved to me that it worked. But I also know from my experience about habitat that one little pocket of habitat surrounded by acres of concrete or town or whatever is not very effective, but several pockets that are close enough for the animals, insects and whatever to use than birds is of much more value. And when you come up with statistics such as Natural England have got there of the total areas lost, they would have all been little
1: pockets all over the place and that's a big area absolutely um, and one last thing before we go it's a rare chance that you and i get to have a chat like this <laughs> Phil, uninterrupted
2: have you got any gossip Rich?
1: yeah what, what <laughs> do got you some, know that i've I got, got lots of gossip but i can't share it with the listener ah. <laughs> we can make it up if you yeah like. <laughs> um, but one thing i wanted to ask you just before we go is um you, you were talking about the uh, nuffield weekend
2: Yeah. Heather, as I think we've probably mentioned, uh, was awarded a Nuffield scholarship this year. So over the next two years, she'll be putting together her Nuffield report. And her subject is Web 2.0 and associated social media with regard to rural business and farming. So that'll be fascinating in itself. But her Nuffield scholarship was or is sponsored by a couple called Alan and Anne Beckett from Ulster or just north of Ulster and at the weekend we had a meeting or a a, a weekend away with all the Beckett scholars and Heather is the 12th Beckett scholar and they're a fantastic bunch of people. I mean I I do feel somewhat overawed in their presence but anyway um, we got to visit loads of different businesses and find out what each of us were doing and you know good points and bad Really good weekend. One of the things which is of relevance, we went to see Lionel Hill, who is the president of the Young Farmers Association in Britain. Very enthusiastic man. And to cut a long story short, he was one of the pioneers of a biomass boiler. So he grows his own short-rotation coppice willow and harvests it and burns the result in a biomass boiler to heat his not-insubstantial house and offices and so on. You and I have been investigating this for Wigglies and the farm, yeah, right. and we discovered that there is only one firm who manufactures the boilers in England, and so I went to see them at the Royal Show yesterday in oh, the mud. Right. So I found out some good stuff about that, yeah, and yeah. they supply Lionel with his boiler, so that, that was where the connection was there. And so, yeah, all systems go and hopefully we should be able to use our grass seed cleaning waste to heat Wigley's, the house, the jacuzzi, and probably to provide the warmth for the grain drying as well. Fantastic. So um, in my book, however the government decide to work it out, that'll be as good as carbon neutral, so that's great.
1: Sure, that's that's great. That'll be an interesting thing. I have something to look forward to then. When are you kind of thinking about setting that up?
2: They're coming back to me with a price for the initial bit, and the idea is that we put in the initial bit and then we'll play with my next idea, which is burning waste. So cardboard, plastic and wood waste, that will be as a bolt-on. But we'll start with the grass seed waste, which we know complies with all the emission regulations and is absolutely fine, natural biomass. So we'll put that in. It's just a question of thrashing the price to a level that we feel happy with. Yeah, sure. Um, And then... (laughs) We can we can do the rest. The biggest problem is the cost of the insulated pipe. So 100 yards of insulated pipe, so two bores, if you like, insulated and buried, yeah. 10 grand.
1: Oh, that's going to hurt.
2: That's where the pain is. But, of course, if you do it right, there's no heat loss, and it's in there, and yeah. it's in there for keeps. But yeah, sure. that's where the pain is. But, having said that, if the price of oil continues to rise, perhaps those sort of figures won't amount to much spread over enough years. No, and I, think, yeah, I do I think so. believe that at some point you have to bite the bullet and yeah. use the resources that we've got. Absolutely.
1: So it makes perfect sense in, in lots of different respects. And uh, only a fool would think that oil prices aren't going to rise.
2: You know that my views are that the best way of altering people's energy usage and, and whatever else is commercial, so yeah. cost. Yeah. And that is the best lever of all and it will make people change their ways, and that's fine by me. OK, well done. Good stuff.
1: Well, that's great, and uh, I think that's a wrap,
2: isn't it, Phil? I would say so. We haven't done anything very controversial while she's not here, though.
1: <laughs> no, well, she's not staring at it now, is she? So, um, see, it's a lot better now, she's so got, you, you a, know, got her know, front that's... teeth back in again. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a worry first thing in the morning, I tell you. Well, I can imagine, and on that note, it's, it's <laughs> bye from me. <laughs> and it's bye from me,
2: Farmer Phil. Bye.
0: Um, we're going to go on now to hear something, others that I can't remember. What was it?
1: She's seen a picture of you, Rich. I don't know. What is that? I mean, are you trying to? Are you complimenting me in in suggesting it's that she, she's entirely admired, she up to you? Entirely up to you, based on the basis of what she's seen, or are you suggesting that she would go off me if she had seen a picture of me?
0: No, would I think you uh, look better than the, you are. You
1: know. <laughs> 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 I look better than I am.
2: There's Still plotting the going on up there. There's just a cumulative rate of knots. <laughs>